0: going to be discussing the 2009 horror film. I guess it is a horror film, technically, Uh, Triangle. Um, So uh, this movie came, I think, straight to DVD. I don't remember anything about this in the theaters. Perhaps Ben can correct me uh, when he kind of takes over here. But this, to me, I went, this film went totally under the radar with me. I... I think I first remember seeing it like on Netflix or Hulu or something. And it just looked interesting. And I went to Rotten Tomatoes and the score for the movie was way higher than like most horror films. And so that was like my little like check mark to, to give it a shot. And I remember watching it thinking um, it did the Bermuda Triangle time lapse circle thing better than most films that i've seen try to do it um so i was surprised or i shouldn't say i I probably shouldn't have been surprised that uh ben chose for her his first film to review as part of this podcast project uh triangle so uh i'm curious why ben you chose this film what exactly about this movie made it your first choice in terms of a horror film to review why do you like it so much
1: what i look for in horror films is one of two experiences um The first kind of experience I had uh, watching the original Wreck with my wife, where about an hour in, we hit the pause button, stepped outside for a smoke break, stopped by the tool room on our way, each grabbed a ball-peen hammer, and had our smoke break clutching hammers looking over our shoulder. (laughs) Um, That's that's the one kind of experience. The other one is the one that I got watching Triangle uh, with my wife, where... We were staring at the screen the entire time. We didn't take a break. And when the credits started rolling, we looked at each other, each put a hand on the other's face and said, it is going to be OK. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't say enough about this movie. It's, they set out to do something very difficult. And they did a masterful job of it. Um, every, uh, everybody involved in this was absolutely on point, top of the game. Um, the film continuity is immaculate, absolutely immaculate, which is awesome because the, the film continuity is part of what tells the story.
0: What I really liked about this movie is that there really was no, like, external monster, right, that's preying on things. When you find out it's you, you're the culprit, you're the one killing people, you're the antagonist of your own story, man that's a that's kind of a trip. uh I remember actually distinctly watching just like you watching that scene with my wife. We watched this movie i I knew she would like this. she doesn't really like horror movies where there's a lot of violence or blood or monsters, and so this one was kind of I figured it would be right up right up her alley um you know female protagonist, all that something and all right let's let's watch this and I remember just looking at her face when she found out it was Jess, and you could just see all the light bulbs going off and i I dig films that can do that the right way and then also end without disappointing you. And I felt like this movie had that kind of an ending for me. We can discuss kind of the interpretation of how you think the film ended and what it meant. But it it (laughs) followed through, I felt, in a way that was satisfactory to me, which usually doesn't happen in horror films, really any film that has time
1: loops and shit like that. The thing about this kind of film is that once they reveal the mechanism, once they show you, okay, It was Jess in the hood at the uh, It was Jess in the hood at the beginning. Um, She did have the shotgun. She is, and and, uh, the way that we've, uh, 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 in uh, my wife and I, when we were talking about this, uh, we broke it down to, um, and good good on wardrobe department for this. Um, Sweater Jess, when she first gets off the yacht, she's wearing a sweater. The second she gets into a reboot, the first reboot, she loses the sweater. So she's now tank top Jess. And then there's coveralls Jess. But there isn't one coveralls Jess. Um, we see at least two versions of coveralls Jess in our playthrough uh, play through these events. Um, once this mechanism is spooled out, it's very, very easy for that to kind of be it. Like, now we're just going to... Work our way through to the end, eliminating the necessary cast members, um, and then roll credits. And there's nothing else to hit you with. This one was saving it, um, absolutely saving it. We get the mechanism pretty well established. Um, not even, not even half an hour into the movie, we've got we've got a pretty good idea of what's going on. And the reveal that Jess was the antagonist all along is not much later than that. Like by the time all of the cards are on the table we're not even halfway through the movie but all of the cards are not on the table by any stretch of the imagination um we don't get card we don't get all of the cards on the table until she washes up on the beach um but then we're getting into I- interpreting the end
0: yeah i you, that's i i gotta agree with you i liked that about halfway point in the movie, you get what's going on and the film goes, it still has more to offer, right? It, it, it's, it's just, okay, well, we've set it up. It, most horror films would end that way. You, I can think of many that actually end with that being the twist and you're like, oh, shit. And then you don't ever really think of the movie again. You're just kind of like, oh, that was a good movie twist ending, M. Night Shamalama ding-dong style, and that's it, right? This took that and said, no, let's go a step further. Let's make it, and, and not only that, let's make it more meaningful, right? So what I really liked about this movie was that this is a film sort of about like a ghost ship, Bermuda Triangle, out there sort of horror film, but it's not. It's actually a movie about Jess. It puts the emphasis away from the phenomena of you know, the situation and and that kind of supernatural thing that's going on and puts a very existential rub to it. Um this is exacerbated by an amazing soundtrack which sort of caught me off guard in, in a similar fashion to how it did in It Follows, where it plays such an integral role in giving you the lens and the vehicle through which you sort of ingest the movie, as it were. No pun intended ingest, but that was weird. But uh yeah, like I you know, it, it was uh it was a very um I, especially the second time watching it, I felt like this movie was much less about um, being stuck in a Sisyphean sort of loop and more about um, regret and a woman who did something terrible. And, and, I mean that's, and maybe we can get into maybe how we, how we interpret why she's going through this, what exactly is happening. But to me, it, it, there was a real existential rub to this film that overshadowed the phenomena and, I can't think of, I can't think of a lot of horror movies that do that well.
1: Absolutely. And so the, the mechanics of why, why does this work? Why does this happen? Um, we never get an explanation and thank goodness for it. Um, an effortless way to ruin the entire experience would have been, uh, having somebody step in about, uh, an hour into the movie and say, um, mwahaha, it, uh, I, I have. Uh, there was a, a time travel malfunction, and now you we were caught in this loop forever. Ha ha! ha. Yeah. Yeah. Do- really.
0: Dr. Mendez pops in out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. They're they're being
1: yeah. <laughs> they're being. This doesn't need a reason why. Um. This doesn't need a reason why. Um. This is a great uh great example of a rule uh, a rule driven movie. Um, uh, the mechanics are absolutely vital. To what's going on? Uh, they drive the drama. They drive. Uh, they also drive uh, the psychological tension. Um, in that, in order to reset the loop, she has to kill everybody. Um, so they. Uh, it's absolutely a plot-driving set of mechanics. Um, but uh, we don't. We don't need to know why, um, and we don't need to be distracted with the question of why. Although I do have a. I do have a guess know I was—I yeah, I was going I, was
0: I, to I, I, I was gonna ask because I felt like the film implied a why, sort of, right? So what? Okay, so right, just I'll go for it. Like, what is your why, right? We don't need to go too far into it, but I want to see how how you took what the film offered you in terms of offering a reason why this is happening. Um, <laughs> I, I,
1: before before we get to before we get to what exactly I think is going on, I I, I think we have to we have to start a little bit further back with another question. Okay. At the start of the movie, how many times has Jess been through the loop? The first scene where they give us a really good indication of how many times this has been going, uh, how many times this has run through, the lock, the pile of lockets. When she loses her locket through the grate.
0: Yeah, she sees him down there. Birds, same thing with the birds.
1: Um, but uh, the pile of lockets is especially significant because in order for that in order for that uh, to have reciprocated, she has to have re uh, she has to have gotten her locket back after washing up on the beach. The locket's the number of locket's in that pile, and it looked it looked like a pretty deep pile. Yeah, it's the number of times she has killed herself. Yeah, at a minimum, that's okay. the number of times that she's killed the sundress version of Jess, who, will note has never gotten onto the boat. Sundress Jess never, always gets murdered Agreed. by post-Beach Jess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pile of lockets is a tally at a minimum of how many times that has occurred. Okay. You could have lost your locket somewhere else.
0: Okay, so let's, let's assume... 30 plus, dozens, maybe hundreds, right? So we have that in mind. Uh, uh, connect the dots for me. So this, ha- this has happened a whole bunch of times to Jess. Why? Well, I mean, I have an idea of what I think yes. happened. I think she killed her son.
1: Yes, absolutely. Everybody that dies in the loop dies every loop. So she killed the smack that we saw. The She loses her temper Smacks her son, I think she killed him,
0: yeah, I do too and this is this is echoed in other little things in the film, for example, where uh she checks her watch and it's eight seventeen, and the time on the boat is eight seventeen, but no one else has the same time. It's her. Its stopped at eight seventeen right there's something different about her. this is her punishment, this is her you know this is her purgatory, however you want to describe it this this is about jess, no doubt yeah,
1: absolutely about jess um yeah. And uh, the, that mechanism of uh, that mechanism of the why um, and that this that this is a a hell um, a hell not necessarily of her own construction um, but one into which she has uh, into which she enters voluntarily yeah um, uh, is underlined with the character in the entire movie whose reactions are the least appropriate to what's going on which is the cab driver after the car crash.
0: Yeah, I clear. I mean, uh, I heavily implied, the film heavily implied that that was a, a representative of death or death or the messenger of death or the, the, the ferry boat fellow who takes her to wherever she needs to go. Right. He says, uh, you're going to come back. Right. And she says, yeah. And he says, okay, well, like I'll keep the meter running. Right. Like to me that sort of, and without segwaying too hard into anything else, but to me, that uh, that's also one of the other things I really liked about the movie is that whether we assume in the film that Jess is dead or alive, I don't think it really changed the fact that what's sought after in this film is so different than all of the other films we've reviewed, and they're, they're, it's so different than all of the other films uh, that scare me. And in that, I mean, you know, you take an It Follows, or you take, um, you know, a, a a Let Let the Right One In, or any other film, and there's these really clear components that these elements that you're you're left to ponder. So and It Follows, for example, and in some of the films that I like, you're meant to contemplate the idea of dying or not being or non-existing or death. And I don't mean it's how you get there, right? We went through this. It's not exactly how you die, but it's just contemplating and thinking about the concept itself of dying. And death is somewhere in all of the films that I like, all of the horror films that I like, something like that is in those films. This film is like the flip of that to me. This film is like, It's death. Death would be good if we contemplate Jess's scenario of being locked into a sentient conscious mode of going through an ellipses of, of uh, the same sort of scenario over and over again. The film presents you with a protagonist who, who should be looking at death in a very opposite way of all of the other protagonists and all of the other films that I've, that I've watched. Um, Death is not bad in this movie. What's bad is that sort of Sisyphean up and down, that constant, that being locked, that sort of fatalistic mode that you find yourself in. And death plays a very different role in this movie. And I, it just struck me as um, literally a flip of all of the other films that we've reviewed that I've, I've found um, scary.
1: I think um, I, I, absolutely that if it were just to die, um, we would, we'd be looking at a different scenario. But that's not the only way to break this. That's not the only way out. Uh, Hence the cab driver. Um, He doesn't say, would you like to go to the harbor? Um, He doesn't doesn't, uh, throw her in the back of the cab and take her to the beginning point again. He asks, where would you like to go? This is a totally open-ended question. And she picks the harbor, which to me was the crowning horror of this entire scenario, of this entire cycle, is she wasn't caught in this situation where uh, she is forced to kill these people and fails to save her son and fails to undo the damage that she has done. She's Um, creating it. She has created it. And at that point in time, um, our our first experience of this narrative, um, it's happened dozens of times, she has chosen dozens of times, no matter how many times she is presented with the evidence that this is going to play out the same way every time. Um, And she does not know, at at no point are we given any kind of instruction as to whether um, these other people are real. We don't know whether or not the suffering that she is inflicting on other people is real suffering But just going off of what we see, the evidence of our eyes, there's every reason to believe that it is. This is a thing that she is choosing to create, that she is choosing to reciprocate, and choosing to drag all of these people into, in this desperate hope that contrary to all available evidence, this time it's going to be different. Even though she knows that the only way to navigate through the loop is to kill everybody that got onto the boat more than once. Um, That is, to her, an acceptable price tag for an infinitesimal chance that this time she and her son make it another half mile down the road before getting T-boned by a semi or running off a bridge or whatever the next way that it the next way that it goes bad is
0: so let's let's take that let's let's pursue that right so so what's underneath that fear for me the fear that i got in this movie is connected to what you're saying but it's a little different right so for me the main fear i feel like drawn out in this film is the fear of it's the same fear in, and kind i hate to always harp back on nietzsche cuz i love nietzsche but like the in the eternal return the idea of like consistently going through over and over again either components particular time frames areas of your life that let's say were Im- you know uh, you regret certain decisions and they were like very negative to you or maybe even your entire life but like the idea of contemplating your same existence over and over again not to say that the film provides you with that but i think it draws on that fear i think the reason the sort of person who would be scared in this movie i think is the person who either a is someone who loops themselves into their regrets and thinks about constantly the things they've done wrong or they wish they would have changed. I feel like the, the, the movie draws on those fears. Or B, it's the person who looks at their life where at, at whatever point they're in and says, I really wish I would have done all of this differently. Right? I feel like this movie, if you're that, if you fall into one of those two categories, which I actually think a lot of people do maybe, Maybe most, um, but if you if you're contemplative and you think about those things and that that's you, I feel like this film is gonna is gonna take advantage of you. Like that's the fear, that's the motivation that I see causing this movie to be so damn scary. Maybe to you and definitely to me.
1: There's definitely hints of a well, kind of a soft post traumatic stress disorder in in the experience of watching this movie. Um, uh, a the horror of memory um and the uh and uh, especially the idea of intrusive memory um uh walking down the road and that moment is back uh it was 10 years ago it was 15 years ago it doesn't matter it's back um and it will assert itself until it is done with you um definitely part of uh, definitely part of what resonates with with this for me, um, and uh, i have been especially susceptible to that because I've got a very, very vivid memory. Um, so that's that's part of, uh, part of the horror. Um, and you uh, you went the Nietzschean angle, and uh, I think I, I think you're on the right uh, on the right track there. But I I kind of counterpoint that with more of a Franciscan angle, um, which is the selfishness of love. Um, uh that this that for the love of her son um she is willing to take a handful of other people and essentially torture them indefinitely um even knowing that i i mean she's not operating under the assumption that these people are real um of course yeah
0: yeah if you don't if you, if you don't the film takes a very different turn right
1: it takes uh it takes a very different turn um and uh, and at that point, uh, we have a woman torturing herself uh, indefinitely, um, which has a different kind of moral, uh, different kind of moral consequence, a different kind of moral weight, which ins- uh, would would make the cabbie's question very put that in a very different light. Like, are you done? Are you done? Are you ready to go? Like, and. Are you ready to say, take me to the airport? Are you ready to say, take, to, take me to Miami? Are you ready to say anything but the harbor? Um, uh, and in that case, we're, um, uh, if that is the case, then we're uh, kind of edging into a, uh, well, uh, kind of a um, Jacob's Ladder kind mm-hmm. of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, where this is a, a very a, very much a purgatory that this is um uh for her, about her, um, and uh ultimately with the ultimate end of her uh, her moral redemption. Um but if these are real people, if she is inflicting real suffering, um
0: and we have no reason to think they're not. We have no reason to think they're not.
1: You know, like Sally does not uh Sally does not uh you know stare beatifically as she is bleeding from a gut shot, and, uh, you know, trace your finger on her face saying, it's okay, I forget, you know, like, there's nothing to indicate that these are not real people, or at the very least, that their deaths should not be regarded as having comparable moral consequence uh, to the deaths of real people. Um, if these are real people, then Jess is, Reciprocating, constructing this elaborate machine of torture, pain, fear, and death um, for a prize that she ultimately knows she cannot have. She has been—it uh, has been demonstrated to her over and over and over again. You will not make it off into the sunset with your son. Uh, how many seagulls are in that pile? If you go ten feet down the beach, is there another pile of seagulls? How many? Uh, um, maybe uh, maybe there was a hundred versions prior to that where she left a single artifact in the lawn. Maybe she never even got into the car. How many times? Who even knows how many times? And here it's not. It's it's hard not to make a um, uh, a video game analogy. Um, how many times uh, have you played Dark Souls? Any of the oh Dark yeah! Souls oh yeah! Yeah. Yeah, how many times do you have to die to that freaking boss? <laughs> yeah, what's the whole, Lord, whole to... is <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's okay. I made okay. I made a new character. I walk three feet and I die brutally. Okay, next time I walk three feet and die brutally. I die brutally one foot in because I screwed up. It's it's that uh, um, that learning uh, learning through repetition. Um, yeah. Except Jess does not. Just does not learn. She does not progress.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I and I see what you're saying with with the flip side being it's really like the horror of the flip side of love, right? It's it's the it's the capacity to l- love so deeply or so hard that you damage everything else around you. That you take this good, this thing that's supposed to be a sort of fundamentally good thing, and um, warp it. I guess some some way to put it like that, warp it. It becomes. Sort of uh, because of how you've attached it to maybe regret. I think regret. I think regret would still play a role even in your in your in your view because regret and love, if they go together, you're gonna make some really really bad decisions. Do you know what I mean? If yep. you're if you're deeply in love with someone. Um, and there's a mistake that's been made and you're able to replicate it, fuck everybody else. A lot of people will just do exactly what Jess did, I feel like, they would just be be like, oh well, respawn, respawn, I wanna see my son. But that
1: in turn opens another question and here we get darker still. Does she actually care about her son? Is this actually about seeing her son? Or is this an identity driven moral question for her? Is she more is she invested in seeing her son happy and well and alive? Which by the way, there's every, every indication. No, because she's screaming at him in the car. Uh She's losing it all over again. The question is, is it actually about him or is it about her and her desire to not be the mother who killed her autistic son? Uh Is that, uh, is that an identity chain that she does not want to wear, and that is what this is actually about?
0: I, I kind of want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Like I want to say that when she said in the in the ship, you know, I'm sorry, but I this. I, she said, I forget the exact phrase, but it was like, I'm sorry, I have to see. Was it? Well, actually, it's important because if she says, I have to see my son, that's could be taken. I think she the way she said, that I'm, I'm sorry, I love my son. I'm sorry, I love my son. Yeah, that's, I love my son. i I feel like that's everything. I feel like that's, that's kind of the, that's, that's going to be the, the, that's going to be the piece that we're going to have to interpret, I think, because I want to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she's doing this out of regret, out of a regret, which again, could go your way also, which could go the the bad way. We don't want to think about, (laughs) Uh, but I, I just, I feel like there's, I want to fix this. There's an, I want to fix this vibe to her. And, and, and for good reason, I want to fix this vibe. Not I don't want to be the woman who who killed her son. I got the
1: I got how do we, how do we differentiate between those two externally I, though?
0: I, yeah, it's well, especially given given how vague her her very few comments that sort of point one way or the other
1: are. Um
0: I guess you don't really know, right? Like you're not <laughs> this film's not gonna let you know. I'm just gonna go with the Mulder interpretation of things and just tell you what I want to believe. Uh, because If it really is the case that – we're almost saying that her motivations – like it would be so much worse and so much scary if all her motivations to do the things she's trying to do in the movie were like that. Because you have this dual-layer shitstorm, like this (laughs) dual-layer horror where uh, not only does she have to go through this Sisyphean thing where she may or may not be killing sentient, conscious people every time – She's doing it for all the wrong reasons. I I don't want to think like that. I just, I don't, that's, that sucks.
1: Conscious sentient people, including her son. Yeah. She hasn't just killed all of her friends on the boat who even knows how many times. And by the way, the necklace tally, that's how many times she's killed her kid too.
0: Yeah. See, this is why I didn't want to do this. Now I'm. Now I. Now. Now the movie's scarier. You made it scarier. That sucks.
1: Or, or, um, we have to deal with the. It's going to get worse, Noah. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. It's, I always do this to you, though. This is like the <laughs> defining, the defining mechanic of our interaction, um, uh, of almost a decade. And I've, This is always who I've been in your life, and I'm sorry.
0: Um, <laughs> the bearer of bad news.
1: But. Uh, but um oh shit I forgot what I was gonna say well, there you go you're spared you're spared um, uh, what were you saying
0: yeah I just uh, you know I I felt like okay so let's talk about resolution in this film what would resolve this movie because to me I think what was res- what re- the way I saw this film being resolved is so she tells so there's two ways there's the the, the sort of the film way the film is the, the film way is she tells uh the cab driver okay take me anywhere but the 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 harbor right i feel like that is a i it's over i just it it happened i you know, because it, going back to what the cabbie says when she sees her son and herself is sprawled out on the freeway you know he says to her like the let him go like the or something like the boys the boy's beyond help. He's, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's almost like an underscore of, uh, it was almost like move on is the way he might as well have been saying that move on. Right. So I feel like if the film offers you anything like a resolution, it's, I don't know, like be a, a, a kind of stoicism, a kind of accepting of one's fate. Right. This again goes maybe back to the sort of Nietzschean thing of just accepting one's fate for what it is. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of a morphati. This is, I, this is, this is what's happened. An acceptance of it. Get in the cab and move on. Um, that is how I saw resolution in this film. How did you see resolution in this film?
1: Uh, much like, uh, much like you. Um, although this is, uh, um, I, it's, it's, it's tempting for me to to talk about this in terms of fate, but we're we're talking about something past tense. We're talking exclusively about something past tense. Um, uh, This is a thing that has already happened. Her son has already been killed, and uh, she has this kind of uh, Faustian pact, this Faustian uh, Faustian opportunity to play the game again, um, knowing that she will get the same result. And uh, as with you, I think the the resolution, the end to this, is. Either, and I think either one of these would work, either she gets in the cab and says, take me anywhere but the harbor, Um, or she goes to the harbor and prevents anyone from getting on the boat, or she does something to shut the loop down rather than aggressively seeking it. Um, The whole point of going to the harbor is to get people onto the boat, is to send them in that direction. She has her hand on the wheel for crying out loud. She is literally steering the boat in the direction that she knows from prior experience will lead to this cycle. Um, Or the second she finds the cabinet full of shotguns.
0: Boom, gotcha. So what happens what okay, so how does this change things for you if it turns out that she says, "Take me anyway a- anywhere but the harbor, and uh she goes thirty miles away and ends up right back on the boat through through the Sisyphean means so so she offs herself and she wakes up on actually on the boat and says, "Well, I had a crazy, another crazy dream, I have a headache. I don't remember what happened. Let's say that happens right how how does that change anything on your interpretation?
1: It changes everything. Okay. It, it changes everything. Um, because as presented, this is a thing up to, up to 10 minutes from the end of the movie. We are presented with this elaborate and unlikely set of circumstances that had been imposed on her. And then the final reveal is they were not imposed on her. They are of her making. And not unwitting, not un, unwitting construction of the set of circumstances. She knows what she's doing. She knows the consequences to herself and to others, and she is doing this on purpose. Yeah. Um, if it instead becomes something that is imposed upon her, then we've got a totally different set of a totally different set of themes. We're talking about the well, yeah, with, that's how about I took. the not arbitrariness that. of fate. But yeah. that's not what the movie's about.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, so that is, that was my, uh, that was my initial interpretation of things. It was more, it was kind of a bull fan, but it was more, it was happening to her. And because it was happening to her, you know, her decision to keep doing it was, was part her own and part, not her own. Like, it's almost like the scenario she was in was given to her, but there's really a billion and one different ways she could go given the scenarios, but she chose something you know, very similar every single time. So it was kind of both and to me, but I saw more of an emphasis on because of some bad decision she made being put in it. There's a whole bunch of different interpretations I found online where people will say things like, well, she cheated death. Cause there's that whole story about Aeolus and Sisyphus and all of that shit. I, I, I steered kind of far away from that because really, we're never really going to know. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's super important. I think m- most everything that's, that's uh, impactful and meaningful in this film happens when you don't think about those things. But, you know, I felt like I still got the vibe. Like, the film was trying to tell me that there is a kind of fatalism in this. I feel like your interpretation is, let's say, um, I, it almost feels like it's 100% Jess, 0% happening to her. It, it, would that be how you would look at it?
1: Absolutely. Okay, he wow. Made this way. She built this world. Wow.
0: Yeah, I... Okay, so I I would say it was... To me, it was something like 80-20. And, and let me kind of clarify what that means. I felt like she was put in a scenario, again, where she has a kind of ellipses where she can go all of these different ways, but it all leads back to the same thing, right? So there is an outside force putting her in a scenario like this, whether it's purgatory, whether it's hell, what have you, right? So there is a kind of supernatural thing to this film, but but... Um, I felt like within that you get to see a person choose the same things over and over again as a as a way of establishing why she's been put in this scenario to begin with. Does that make sense? Um, that's kind of what I felt like was going on. So I felt like i i I'm buying your I'm buying what you have to sell to up and to a point, right i'm I'm going, yeah, she is clearly doing all of these things really the more, and the more I think about it, the more I think you're right for all the wrong reasons. Um, and, and, and she's putting herself within a particular frame of reference. But uh, I, I felt like she's still in that scenario ultimately because of decisions that happened external to her. Um, I felt like the film, I, I just kind of felt like that's what the film was telling me because it offers her so obviously through the taxi driver a, a way out. You know what I mean? It's almost like you're in a room. I, as maybe a better way to put it, is I, I felt like she was, be, she was put in a locked room, and what she can do in that locked room, there's a whole bunch of different things, and she just happens to be doing the bad thing in the locked room. But there's a door open, and she can leave it. And to that extent, I felt like she's been put there.
1: And now it gets so much worse.
0: <laughs>
1: um, Sundress Jess. Who received an invitation from Greg to go sailing, never makes it to the boat alive. Never puts on a white tank top, a skirt, a, um, a pair of booty shorts, and a sweater. The Jess that we follow through the entire movie. Who is she? There are two Jesses in this movie, and they are not in the same way. We've got the we've got our um, sweater Jess. Uh, tank top Jess and coveralls Jess, which is all the same Jess. Yeah. Yes. There's a totally separate Jess. The sundress, j- sundress Jess is totally separate. The Jess who had a son is totally separate. The Jess that we know, the Jess that we follow through the movie, through all of these loops kills Sundress Jess and interacts with Sundress Jess's son, but we never see her version of the son, um, which does underline our our theory that Sundress Jess killed killed her son.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But in terms of identity, we do have a hard question in the form of, where does the Jess that we are following from the beginning of the movie come from? Yeah. She ha- and my, my posit, she has always been in this loop. This Jess has no existence outside of that loop. She is not a morally malformed character um, in the sense that she is not dramatically morally deviant from most of us, um, but here she is in a she is in a set of circumstances where it is possible for her to reciprocate the evil that is in her. Um, infinitely, she has an opportunity. She always has an opportunity to end the cycle, and she always chooses not to. Uh, she always has an opportunity to not torture, murder, kill um, uh, for. Uh, I think very selfish reasons Um, because she also torture, she also kills her son over and over and over and over again. It's easy to say that Jess is the monster in this movie, but for me, part of the the point is that, um, the point is that Jess is not an exceptionally monstrous person and that people, full stop, are monstrous. This film makes a pretty good case that love of a child is actually devoid of moral agency. That it is not a moral attribute. um, That it is reflexive and in this set of circumstances overrides every potential moral check. Every moral speed bump put in her way. She plows straight over um, for this presumptive love of a child but The kind of love that, when you uh, when you look at it, um, is devoid of most of the attributes that we would call love, uh, that we would ascribe to love. Um, She uh, uh, she loves uh, loves her child, and yet is willing to kill him again and again
0: and again. Well, I I think that goes back to. I think you're now. This is making me look at what you said earlier as being maybe more accurate. Is that um, maybe that makes sense? Her doing that makes sense if really her motivation is I don't i don't I don't want to be the woman who killed my son,
1: do you know so what i mean some, does 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 Jess love her son or does she not want to be a bad mother yeah. and and if we take that if we take that question outside of the context of this movie um it's a question worth asking, yeah, yeah,
0: it seems to me a question of of if, capacity though it seems to me like a question of you know something that i think every mom or really every day, every person let's say um has and and shows and and it's not just it again it's it's um it's something that i think is very that is positive that should that is seen socially as positive let's put it that way right i mean we we have cards and we have uh days of celebration where a a mom celebrates her relationship with her child and a child Celebrates their relationship with their mom, and there's this connection there, and it's that connection that is taken out, put in a very separate set of circumstances to, and the and the the that same connection doesn't change. It's literally the circumstances that change that can highlight how maybe that connection isn't in and of itself a good thing. That's, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but that's kind of,
1: or or that uh, or that that connection is a container and that its ultimate merit is no greater or less than what is put into that container, that um, uh, maternal bond can absolutely be the context for a series, an, an ongoing series of moral positions, uh-huh. um, but is not in and of itself um, a... Uh, it is not in and of itself a moral structure. It is not a, uh, a beacon from which morality intrinsically radiates. And we see that with her uh, sundress, Jess's interactions with her son—the um, mm-hmm. only interactions that we actually see between the woman who is really this kid's mother and the person who is really this kid—is screaming, it's um, negative. Yeah. screaming a backhand. Um, well, you know what? Your father was an asshole too. You know, that's all we see of mm-hmm. their authentic
0: relationship mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's um that's fucking terrifying
1: how how
0: awful would it be if like we see jess go through this over and over again and you know just one day she goes you know i've never I, it, it dawns on her you know i've never been into the ship's hall uh, into the uh the, the area where the captain is in this one particular room that I haven't seen and she goes in there and right smack dab in the middle is Honey the fucking cat. That would be, <laughs> that would be I, I would pay good money to see that film. Honey the or cat they or they
1: they finally make it to the bridge, which kinda of funny that they never make it that at no point in time in the course of this movie does anyone actually make it to the room where this ship gets steered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which
0: I think it, which I think itself, uh, that's, that there's, there's some, that'll preach. That'll yep. preach. Uh, that'll definitely preach. Uh, yeah. I, they get there and it's actually
1: a broadcasting booth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Steve McHaddy sitting there like punchy pool,
1: punchy pool. Yeah. Shared universe. Yeah. Shared universe.
0: Yeah. That would be great. Um, okay. So let's, let's, uh, this is your film. So I, I imagine your score for this film is going to be fairly high. Let's, let's score this movie. Um, so let's do it, let's do it a little differently. Um, in terms of the raw cinematic quality of it being a good film, and I'm gonna keep that really vague. that can mean a whole bunch of shit, but if someone comes up to Ben and says, Ben, on a scale of one to 10, is this a good film? What do you say? And then also in terms of how scary this film is, one to 10. So how scary it is, one to 10, like 10 being shit my pants, Noah when he's you know, 13 watching Event Horizon, scary. And uh, 10 being like, this is a cinematic masterpiece.
1: Um, I'm, I'm going to give it a nine on, on the, uh, okay. Well, scary. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a nine. Um, uh, because it is a movie that is exactly as scary as what you are willing to invest in unpacking it. The more time you spend with this movie, the scarier it gets. Um, the more you try to. This is this is probably the only movie I can think of that is scarier if you take notes. Only movie I can think of where that is true. It's the only movie that is not less scary if you hit the pause button and go away for half an hour and think about <laughs> it. It's actually worse. It's actually worse. Like viewers if the the first time you watch this, watch it all the way through. Do not hit pause. It is so much worse if you hit pause. Um also the only movie I can think of where that's true. Um on the uh, on the technical front, um, oh my goodness, I, I feel like I feel like you could teach classes.
0: Yeah, this was awful. a really
1: low this budget movie. film alone. this yeah. film alone. They spent nothing on it. They yeah. spent nothing on this movie. Um, and it's 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 immaculate. It's immaculate. Um, uh, the uh, uh, on the technical front, they're keeping track of an enormous, Amount of information, and they never drop the ball. They don't. Uh, they never drop the ball, um, and they never show you something that uh, you shouldn't see. And um, especially telling for me, and we didn't I could have gotten into this earlier, but we we don't tend to dive too too deep into the uh, technical analysis, uh, the filmmaking aspect of some of this. Um, when you rewatch this, because I know you will. Um, uh, and I know I will. Um, the next time you rewatch this, pay attention to the camera work. Because each version of Jess has her own style of camera movement. Uh, the the, cam- the camera work is, it's subtle and it's fantastic. The editing is immaculate. This is one of the best edited features I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I, on technical front, giving it bonus points given. Uh, giving it bonus points based on the amount of money that they actually had to spend. Um, I'd give it a ten. Um, I I have seen everything this writer director has done since, and they're all good. They're all good. Christopher Smith, if his name is attached, see it. It's absolutely worth seeing.
0: Okay, so on the Fear Factor, I'd probably give this an eight, just because I didn't like I. I didn't see it the same way you did. I'm starting to now. It's starting to hit me. But one of the things that you said stuck with me, and that is um, the more you think about it, the more it actually becomes a little more terrifying. And I think that's true even on, on the, the initial sort of maybe sophomoric way I interpret it, interpreted the film. I kind of felt like that, you know, I I went to sleep going, well, she does this. Like, damn. Like, if I was in a scenario like that, it it really prompted me to think what I would do and how that would work. And But just thinking about every decision she made and how – on on your interpretation of things it just underscores the not the irrationality but it underscores the the horror of the of the of the loop of the decision of the self-imposed loop like the more you if, if anything you discover like anything you and i think of let's say after this and we go oh i wish i would have said that that we discover is going to be taken in light of oh man that that's even worse like it's not, you're never going to go oh well you know like she could have done this that would have been like that's better you're going to go oh man i got
1: that sort exactly. Of a we're yeah, gonna, we're never, never going to find something out about this movie and say, "Oh, Noah, I just figured this out. It's actually a comedy." Yeah. Actually- <laughs> yeah. And now I feel great watching this movie. I laugh the whole way. No, no. Everything you find is worse. Everything you find in this movie is worse. And and for me, the the essential, uh, the essential like, um, and bless them for not rubbing your nose in it. Bless them for not rubbing our nose in it. Um, the, the essential horrific revelation is that when you jump back to the beginning of the movie, the number of sallies that you've seen, but more importantly, the number of lockets that you've seen. And I've got to give credit. Selene was the one who really dragged a highlighter over this one for me. Um, uh, the number of lockets that you see is not only the number of times that she has killed the sundress version of herself. It's a number of times that she has killed her son, her son, and she is still doing this.
0: Yeah, that that really is. When you consider that, that really is the primary vehicle I think of interpreting everything else, right? Because uh, if if you really love your son, and it's. Uh, Killing him has to be over and over and over and over again has to be taken in light of maybe something else and I think I think what you offered is probably the more I think about it a good a, a very good thing to offer which is I, d- I don't want to go being the mom who killed her so I got to fix this it's not so much a love of her son if it was a love of her son she stopped killing him she stopped doing the loop she'd stop doing all of this right that's a, a simple way to put it Um yeah yeah, that becomes a very central vehicle for, for interpreting this movie, seeing that. I would give on the on the technical side, in terms of like um, overall the 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 film struck me as like a Pontypool-esque sort of movie, a nine point five to me. And I, I say that because they were both extremely low budget. They were shot immaculately. The acting was superb. I feel like any one actor kind of being shitty in this movie would have fucked it up. It would have made it really classified as a B straight B movie straight to you know, a, a DVD piece of shit sort of film that you look back on and just go, "Oh yeah, it's one of those movies you watch if it's just on, right?" If you saw, for example, uh, what, what's who's the guy? Who's the guy in it? The Australian guy who's kind of famous now. Um, oh heaven, not, he's not Thor, but I think he's related to the yeah, fellow Hemsworth. Hemsworth, the yeah, other, his brother. Um, like, let's say the acting would have been really shoddy on his part. I feel like any of those actors having bad acting, Melissa George is, I think, a great actress, so I I wouldn't be worried about the main person being shitty. But let's say anyone else, you kind of go, oh, this is one of those teeny horror movies where it it loses so much credibility if you have bad acting in this kind of film. So there was really good acting. Um, The shots of the ship were fantastic. They were haunting. It felt very isolated. I love horror movies that give you that feeling of you're trapped and you can't leave, and they do it well. Uh, a ship is even better to me. I, it just had all those elements that make it you make you do this, even without thinking of the fact that this woman is looping constantly and killing her son and and her friends. Um, if you just take the atmosphere of the film, there's an episode of the X Files that I noted that it made me feel like um, Bermuda Triangle episode that was very similar. Um, it just it it was a really creepy d- a film and it was shot very well. So I'd give it a, I'd give it on the technical side a nine point five on the fear side. Given my initial kind of interpretation of it being more external and not more of a a self-imposed loop, we'll call it. I, if I look at it that way, I'm going to give it an eight. But if I if I really go back and take a long, hard look at that and try to find more of that in the movie, I can tell you right now that the the score would definitely go up because I feel like it, the entire film is not a monster coming at you. It's it's you. say you, the monster, going at the world. It's 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 inverted. I mean, I, so I, before we even go, I kind of, I just, I guess what I want to ask to you is if you could sum up in, let's say, you know, two minutes or less, what the ultimate fear that this movie brings out, the 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 thing that is so scary about this movie, the summation of it, what would it be?
1: It, the most fundamental and the one that I like, self, the one that I self-apply um, the entire movie we had talked about situations in which this movie would turn out differently in which the loop breaks down um and we were talking about actions but there's another way that it breaks down and that is if jess recognizes that this is not a thing being done to her this is a thing she is doing Mm -hmm. and her incapacity to recognize that is part of what keeps this whole thing going and for me that that is that is the scary thing i am not fully conscious of the line between what is happening to me ver- versus what i am making happen and that i do not know where the burden of moral agency in that lies and cannot which is inherently horrifying to me yeah
0: i mean it's I, and i think it's horrifying in the sense of its applicability that there's so many avenues of one's life that that kind of um uh... Monster for lack, of, right? Just be poetic from it, or that monster can 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 rear its ugly head, right? Relationships with others, not just your son. It's clearly not just a monster that shows itself in 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 uh, spousal or or, or child rearing ways. I mean, it's just it's it could be any relationship that we have the
1: that we have the that we have the capacity to be pushed along, carried on the inertia of our choices, even choices that we are making at that moment um is uh, is horrifying um for me that the the foundation uh the, the foundation is that indeterminacy of is this a thing that is being done to me is this a thing that is happening is this a thing that i am doing um and that there are so many times in our lives um, the majority, I'd say, the majority of uh, majority of hours clocked in our lives, when we are we're too busy dealing with the situation to stop and ask that question: Is this something that's uh, is this something that I'm doing, or is this something that's being done to me, or is this a thing that's just happening? Jess doesn't pause to take a breath in this entire movie. She does not stop. She never. She never does not know what to do next and she is never not moving to the next thing to do. Um, it's a profoundly, she is a profoundly anti-contemplative character.
0: Yeah, and that, that, I, it's, that so perfectly encapsulates the tagline of this film, which I initially thought was kind of dumb, but it makes like really good sense thinking about what the actual fear is in this movie. Fear comes in waves, right? Like riding the inertia of your own choices, like that's I completely accidental, I'm sure on their part, but I think that that's a really good way to close out and think about this movie.
1: I, I feel like uh, I feel like Triangle is uh, Triangle is the horror movie that everyone should have seen, but nobody did. Um, nobody has. Uh, right. I I can count on my fingers the number of people outside of my household who have even heard of it, and uh, that's that's criminal.
0: So thanks for watching the Deadly Analysis Podcast. If you liked what you saw, uh, shoot us a like on Facebook. Leave a comment below um, and uh, check out some of our other content. Next week, we are going to be doing the film Compliance, which is going to be a very different sort of movie than I think some of the others we've been doing. Uh, All right. Well, thank you for watching and uh, tune in next week.